Welcome to the Elevate the Vibe podcast, bringing you juicy convos with thought leaders discussing the wild world of parenting. It is so miraculous to watch a child's face that is hardened and cold and defensive rest down on the side of a cow, close his eyes, and you can literally see that child's armor fall off and that teenager become a little child again. It is so beautiful. I've been doing this for 20 years and I will never tire of the sight of that. That was a clip from the guest of our show today, Ellie Lacks, the founder of The Gentle Barn, and she is quite an amazing guest. We are honored to have her here today. I'm Jason, the host of the Elevate the Vibe podcast, and here along with me is my co-host, Katie Berlin. Thank you for the introduction, hubby. Yes, our guest of the show today, Ellie, is someone that I greatly admire, not only for the work that she's doing within the community, but that she had this vision and dream ever since she was a young girl to create an animal sanctuary and she has done that and so much more her story is incredible jason and i are very fortunate in that we've had the opportunity to visit the gentle barn here in la it's actually located in santa clarita for any locals pre-covid of course you could go and experience the gentle barn in person and i think they're doing drive-through experiences currently in our current climate Ellie talks at length about some of the workarounds they've done to help accommodate for coronavirus, and it's pretty awesome. You can still have a quite vivid and incredible experience from the comfort of your own tablet or your own cellular device, maybe even your own pager. You know? Your own vehicle. Your own vehicle, too? Yes. Oh, oh drive-through, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, I get a B for paying attention, B minus... But um, yes, Ellie will dive deeper into her story about the gentle barn and why it is such a beautiful and magnificent place, not only for animals, but for people. And Jason and I, as I mentioned, had been there many times, but we've had the opportunity to go and interact with the animals. We actually sponsor a goat. Braveheart. His, his name is Braveheart. We've been sponsoring him for many years. I want to say 10 years. Yeah, seven to 10 years, mm -hmm. something like that. And even if you're not local and you're not able to visit the location, there are other locations. But besides that, you can still support the Gentle Barn through donations or sponsoring an animal. It's not too expensive and it's pretty cool. You feel like you're making a difference and you're connecting in a way that maybe you wouldn't normally be able to outside of being able to visit and have that experience. So Ellie Lacks is our guest today, and she is the founder of The Gentle Barn, a nonprofit animal rescue that has saved over 500,000 animals while teaching kindness and compassion within the community. Ellie is an author, TEDx speaker, animal communicator, healer, wife, mom, and animal advocate. Her passion led her to create educational programs that invite at-risk youth to The Gentle Barn and give children the opportunity to explore empathy, kindness, and responsibility. With locations in Los Angeles, Nashville, St. Louis, and a goal to open a gentle barn in every state, Ellie's mission is to create a world where future generations have reverence for all life. Let's welcome Ellie onto the show. Ellie, thank you for joining us. Could you please introduce yourself to the Elevate the Vibe audience? Sure. Hi, I'm really glad to be here, so thank you for having me. 
Um, let's see. I am the founder of the Gentle Barn Foundation. Uh, we are a 20-year-old national organization that rescues severely abused and neglected animals that have nowhere else to go. And we bring them in and rehabilitate them and heal them. And once they're healed, we partner with them to heal people with the same stories of trauma. So um, we host school field trips so we can connect children to the magic and love of animals. We're open to the public on the weekends so people can fall in love with our animals and hear their stories of resilience. And during the week is where the magic lies, where we bring children from all walks of life into the gentle barn that are struggling, that might feel lonely, that might feel unaccepted, that might really be struggling, and they get to come in and find themselves in our barnyard. And it's magical. That's awesome. I have heard you share your story before for the reasons that you wanted to open the gentle barn, but could you please share with the audience some of the dreams that you had when you were a young child and what led you to this path of opening up your sanctuary? Yes, absolutely. Um, well, I was one of those kids when I was a kid. I felt lonely. I felt like I didn't fit in. I felt like no one understood me. Um, I felt very isolated and alone. And I was also terribly in love with animals. So when I felt isolated and alone, I would go into the woods and the lakes and the fields that were surrounding my house and be able to interact with the animals and feel like I wasn't so alone. And it was magic for me. Um, and... Animals saved me so many times in my childhood. Um, I actually tried to leave my body when I was seven. I had had enough here. I don't know if you heard that part of my story. No. There's many different ways of telling my story. And I don't know how much of my story you watch. But um, I tried to commit suicide when I was seven. I had had enough of this place. And I wanted out. And it was actually a hummingbird that saved my life. Um, I was unable to get out of my body. I just didn't know technically how to do it. And so I, after several failed attempts, I went out to the, the garden to cry, um, and feeling so frustrated and angry and sad. And a little hummingbird flew within inches of my face and just hovered there for what felt like forever. It must have been just a few minutes, but it felt like forever. And his beautiful, shimmering, bright colors and his little black bee eyes looking into mine and this feeling of peace came over me like, no, you need to stay, but it's going to be okay. And I knew that I had always loved animals and nature, but that was the first time that animals and nature saw me and beckoned me and included me in them and their life. And so ever since that day, I've had this incredible connection with nature and animals, feeling a part of it and feeling responsible for it, feeling like I wanted to make it better and, um, protect it. And what was painfully obvious in my childhood was noticing that the people around me didn't see animals the way that I did. I saw them as my teachers, my healers, and my friends. And the people around me saw them as things that were disposable and things that we used. And so that divide was so painful. So since I was seven years old, I would just tell everyone that would listen You'll see when I grow up, I'm going to have a huge place full of animals and I'm going to show the world how beautiful they are. And then all the lonely people of the world can come and heal with us. And that's what I kind of yelled uh, since I was seven. Um, I would sit in school and I would doodle pictures of what the barn would look like. And I would go to sleep with fantasies in my mind of all the animals I would get to love. 
And it took me a very, very long time, but I finally manifested it 20 years ago. Oh, wow. God. That's amazing. Wow. So I did not hear some of that backstory. And uh, that was, yeah, you brought me to tears. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have a fountain in our backyard that gets a lot of hummingbirds. So just hearing that, I was like, oh. And our little boy loves to go over there and see the hummingbirds and he talks yeah. to them and he's such a huge fan of animals already. And we love that about him, you know, because we love our pup and our last pup too. And we've been to the gentle barn a couple times, three yeah. times, I think, you know, my stepmom is an animal lover, die hard too. So we really love your cause and we're so glad you're here. So thank you. Thank you so much. Now with the sanctuary, you started out with a location in LA. It was in San Fernando Valley. And then you moved to your Santa Clarita location. You have since opened up a Nashville and St. Louis sanctuary as well. Yeah. So if someone is in one of those cities, can you share what the experience is like if you want to actually participate and experience the gentle barn yes absolutely i mean whether you're coming on an open to the public sunday or a school field trip or a private tour or a group of children that have special needs when you come into the gentle barn there is a peace and tranquility that is inherent for the property itself um you step out of your car and you immediately are flooded with peace and well-being. And I don't know how to describe it. Well, you know, you've been there, isn't mm -hmm. Don't you feel that way when you step out of your car? It's another you world. Just do it. There's like an energy to all mm -hmm. three properties that is so healing in and of itself. Um, and then you get to go and hug the cows. And they'll, they're such giant creatures, but they'll hold still and let you hug them and close your eyes and put your faces on them and just feel their energy and feel their love. And I don't know, like, I don't know how people live in this world without a daily cow hug, but I don't think I could do it. <laughs> I am very, very spoiled and lucky to be able to hug cows every time I'm having a bad day because they make everything good again. They just do. Um, they're like giant teddy bears. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then um, people get to go see the donkeys and horses and feed them carrots and practice courage with their fingers, you know, like you're, you're next to these giant creatures, but they're so gentle and they take hand, um, carrots from your hands. And especially children, it helps them with confidence. And then you get to go and pet the goats and sheep, hold the chickens while they fall asleep in your laps, cuddle with the turkeys while they fall asleep in your laps as well, give the pigs tummy rubs as they grunt thank yous. Um, in the California, Los Angeles location, we've got an emu that you can pet his little fuzzy black head. We've got a llama that loves cookies and taking selfies. Is that King? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. King. I, I remember, remember King, him. Yeah, yeah he, he, he definitely is a character. Yeah. <laughs> he is such a character. Really, no matter what state you're close to and no matter what state you visit, the barnyard is full of characters. They are hilarious. Now, when someone does get the chance to go into the sanctuary and meet the different animals, you just mentioned hugging a chicken or petting a turkey. There are volunteers that work at each location and they can sort of help to guide you on how to do this, but you just sort of sit down on the ground in their pen and they'll just come right up to you and they like to sit there and cuddle on you and you can scratch their head and 
They'll fall asleep. Like I've seen it, as Jason mentioned, his stepmom is a big fan. And when she comes out to visit, we've been met numerous times and she loves that moment when either a chicken or a turkey will just sort of fall asleep in her lap. That's like her heaven is that experience. Yeah. Um, so we have an upper barnyard where all the smaller animals live and yes, it obviously has fences to keep predators out, but it's a, a large barnyard. And now we have a mommy pig with six babies. They're eight, they're turning eight months old, um, oh. in a few days and they're, they love people so much that you can literally, like you said, come into the barnyard, sit down anywhere. And within a matter of a few minutes, a chicken will come over and want to have a conversation with you. A turkey will come and climb into your lap and fall asleep. A pig will come and roll over for a tummy rub. Everyone wants to come and check you out. The goats will come and put, especially Braveheart. Um, Braveheart is one of our goats who you sponsor. He is such a love and he's such a cuddle bug. When you go into the barnyard, he will come and find you and he'll put his face right here in the crook of your neck and he'll just snuggle with you. And it's so fun. Like all these animals just come over and they want to be with you. Now with the experience that you can have as just a attendee coming on Sundays where it's open to the public, that's one type of experience. But you also mentioned the field trip opportunity and the educational programs that you offer. So let's say that there are parents out there who maybe live close to one of the locations and they're interested in scheduling a field trip. How would that process work? Yeah, so the best way is just to go to gentlebarn.org and you can actually on the website find a way to, to get tickets and visit each location. So all three locations are on the website and, um, and you can get reservations and tickets to any of the three states. And that's, um, that's separate from the educational program. And I'd love for you to dive into what that program is like and how the cadence works with that also, because I know it's not like the field trip where it's just a one-time scenario. It's an ongoing program that you offer. Yes, we actually have something that I like to call a peace enhancement program. It's basically a violence prevention program, but I spun it to sound a little more positive. Um, and yes, it's a 10-month program running September through June. And we have, so we do work with individuals, but mostly we work with agencies. So what we do is whether it's a foster agency, an inner city school, a class for special needs, a drug and alcohol rehab center, a homeless shelter, a domestic violence shelter, whatever it may be, we basically tell the agency, like, if you have children that are not responding to traditional therapy. They're not wanting to talk. They're too angry and shut down. Bring them to the gentle barn. And instead of getting them to talk, which many don't want to revisit their trauma or be vulnerable with their emotions. So instead of getting them to talk, we do the talking. We sit down and we do two things when they first arrive. Number one is we ask them what's their dream and what's the best word that describes who they are. So they can feel seen, you know, they can feel like, wow, they're really interested in us. So we ask them what they want to be when they grow up and we ask them what is the best word that describes who they are. Now, first of all, I definitely want to show them that we're interested in them and we're not going to just sit and lecture them. So that helps open them up. But the other thing that I want to know is I want to know how they view themselves. 
Because a lot of children think they're bad or ugly or unwanted or unvaluable. And getting them to say those words really kind of shows me what my work is. Because when a child feels unwanted, unlovable, and bad, no amount of intervention is going to heal that child until you reverse that belief. So if I have a child coming to the gentle barn that thinks they're bad, unwanted, and unlovable, my job literally is to get, to get them to see themselves in a different light. Because once you can have a child see themselves as valuable, lovable, smart, beautiful, then their whole life opens up and changes immediately. So we tell stories of the animals. So instead of them telling their own story, which they don't want to do, we tell stories of the animals. But when we're telling the story of the animal, we're telling their story, right? Um, we have an animal at the gentle barn that mirrors every child's story, whether they've been in 17 different homes, whether they've been severely abused and beaten, whether they've been lonely and scared, whether they've not wanted to be here, no matter what it is, we have an animal here that mirrors their story. So we tell those stories and then they can see that they're safe here. They can see that we can see them through the story of that animal. And they also start identifying. So again, we bring in children that won't talk, but then by the time we finish that story, they're saying, I know what that feels like. I've been there too. I know what that's like. And then they're talking literally within about 20 minutes of being on the grounds. They're talking, they're open, they're vulnerable, they're sharing, they're invested in the experience. And then from there, we go and hug cows and we work with a lot of teenagers um, that are either getting out of drug affiliation or recovering from substance abuse or, or physical abuse, sexual abuse, suicide attempts, any of those things. And they have, many of them have very hardened faces. You know, they've gone through hell and back and they have to have some kind of armor because how do you get through your day, right? So we bring them over to the cows to start and we get them to hug a cow. Now, a lot of these teenagers are like, oh, you know, they're, they're worried about their image in front of the other kids. They don't want to get their clothes dirty, but we eventually convince them to hug a cow. And it is so miraculous to watch a child's face that is hardened and cold and defensive and guarded. That face rests down on the side of a cow close his eyes and you can literally see that child's armor fall off and that teenager become a little child again. It is so beautiful. I've been doing this for 20 years and I will never tire of the sight of that. So now they're identifying with the stories of the animals. Now they're soft and warm and gushy from hugging a cow. And now instead of dealing with hardened 15 year olds, I'm really dealing with a four year old. And they're open and they're loving and they're so approachable then. And then we take them to practice confidence with the horses. And again, even if you're an adult standing next to a 2,000 pound horse can be daunting, right? So then they get to hold a carrot and feed a horse and they get to develop confidence and they get to feel proud of themselves and courageous and brave. And so now they're even feeling better about themselves. Their head is up, their shoulders are back. Now they're really beaming. And then we bring them into our upper barnyard for our smaller animals. And they get to hold chickens and they get to cuddle turkeys and they get to give pigs tummy rubs and pet the sheep and goats. 
and they get to practice gentleness and empathy and carefulness and generosity. And then from there, we go to our wishing well, where I get to mirror them on what I just saw from them. I get to say, you know, you were first in line to brush that cow, but you gave your turn to the person behind you. You were so generous. Or I saw you wanted to pick that chicken up, but the chicken said no by walking away and you didn't chase her. You were so thoughtful. Or, you know, that goat that just approached you, that goat scared of people, but that goat picked you and trusted you because you showed that goat that you were trustworthy. You were so gentle. And now, because they come at least once a month, if not once a week, depending on their transportation and staffing, and every single week or every single time they come, we're mirroring that they have value, that they're worth something, that they're beautiful, that they're thoughtful and smart. And they start incorporating that in their self-awareness till eventually we can overturn the negative images and we can fill them with positive mirrors and they can start knowing that they have a place in the world. And at the wishing well, when we're done mirroring them, they get to make wishes. And so they keep looking forward. They keep cultivating that hope for the future. They keep aiming for a goal instead of being leaves blowing in the wind. Now they're manifesting and shaping and molding their future and their life, knowing that they can become, be, and have anything. Wow. That's a lot. That's awesome. <sighs> That's incredible. To think that you started the sanctuary with the idea of saving animals, but then the animals are really saving so many young people at the same time. It's like, even if you're not necessarily considered someone that is at risk at the moment, everybody comes with something. Everybody has issues or stuff. And when you are in the presence of an animal that has its own variation of communication, they're still communicating. It's just not the way that we communicate, which I know you talk about when you're open on Sundays and um, the general public can come in to enjoy the barnyard, but how important that communication is and to respect each other and those lessons that you learn. And there's definitely something special about having a bond with an animal. And like you mentioned, when you were a little girl and the hummingbird flying eye level with you, and if you've ever had just a butterfly land on your shoulder or a squirrel get very close to you, you're, you're kind of thinking like, wow, I, I must have some sort of like super magical power. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you're like nature has chosen me, but we are all nature. You know, it's just like, we have to see it for mm -hmm. ourselves. We are all connected. We just have to see that and understand that we're all here on this planet together and coexisting. Yes, absolutely. And you know, you make a really, really good point when you said that um, you don't necessarily have to be someone who might be at risk, like everyone has a story. And that might be one of the benefits of coming to the General Barn and seeing so many different animals of different shapes, sizes, colors, and species, but they all have a story. And hopefully that seeps in a little bit to these children, because what happens when you're a kid, and I know that this was absolutely true for me when I was younger, is you think you're the only one. You think everyone else is normal, and you're the only one with this story and this shame and this heaviness, and you guard it like a secret. And coming into the general barn and meeting 130 animals that all have stories, 
like everyone has a story. We're all dealing with something. We're all overcoming something. And once you realize that you're not the only one, that everyone has your story, then you just realize like, okay, well then this is mine and this is what I have to deal with. And it becomes less of, of a shameful, secretive experience. Now with the animals in the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned that many of them are unwanted or they're, they're in a situation where they're no longer needed or they're sort of at the end of their rope. And I know that you put a lot of time and effort into rehabilitating animals as well to get them to this place where they do trust. So similar to the experience where you're talking about the youth that you work with, there's this lengthy process that you put into place to get them to open up in certain steps you take. I know you do that with the animals as well. So I'd love to hear about all of the wellness techniques that you implement to get them to trust again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We definitely, of course, use regular veterinary care, of course. Um, But in addition to veterinary medicine, we also use acupuncture, acupressure, chiropractics, deep tissue massage therapy, ultrasound, ice therapy, water therapy, energetic healing, nutritional supplements, and lots and lots of love. Um, I remember very, very early on when I started doing rescue, even before I opened the gentle barn, I was doing dog rescue. And I would come up, I would come upon animals that were completely unadoptable. I would bring them home and try to save their lives. They had lots of physical issues. And the veterinarian sometimes would say like, look, this animal is very, very sick. You should put them down. But for whatever reason, there was some kind of life force in that animal that I just knew that they were meant to stay. And so the veterinarian was like, look, we've done all we can. If you're not going to euthanize this animal, then go away. You know, like they didn't know what else to do. So I remember thinking like there, there has to be other options. It can't just be veterinary medicine in my toolbox. I need other tools. And so I went searching worldwide for other things that I could add to my toolbox. And I found some chlorella algae superfood that boosts the immune system. I discovered acupuncture when I had a dog that couldn't walk anymore and three different vets wanted to put him down. And we did acupuncture within three weeks. He was running around like a normal dog and I had many more years with him. Uh, I discovered massage therapy and ultrasound and all the things that I just listed. And every time there's an animal where the vet's saying euthanize and then I try these alternative methods, the animal thrives and gets to live a beautiful life at the gentle barn. So I just, um, I have a lot of things now in my toolbox, but I mean, I'll never stop searching for more things to include in there. It's pretty profound that your mission has been to take these animals and rehabilitate them to that point where they're thriving. And then parlaying that into working with youth as well, who then at the end of that 10 month period, maybe it's not necessarily thriving because they've lived this life of, you know, difficulty, but they have tools that they can use to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. And and I want to say two things. First of all, um, there's another component to the rehabilitation we do with animals. Um, Yeah, we have to get them physically well. And and those are all the things that I just talked about. But um, even harder is to rehabilitate their hearts and to heal their hearts. Uh, They come in so angry and so scared and so not trusting. And so we have a whole program where... um, me and my staff and volunteers will sit and read out loud to them very gentle books it has to be gentle books um we sing to them we meditate with them we do energy healing we play soft music with them um if it's an orphaned animal 
um, I schedule volunteers all through the day and all through the night so that animal's never, ever, ever alone. We hold them, um, and if we can't hold them, then we sing to them and we send them still the energy of love without touching them. Um, we use treats because eventually, like, if, if I'm working with a very scared animal, I'll come and spend some time with them and then I'll leave a treat, you know, I'll put a treat down before I leave. And eventually they realize I'm leaving the treat, so then they start expecting the treat, which leads to me hand feeding them, which leads to me being able to pet them, which leads to me being able to hug them. And you know, it's really interesting. I had to, in my life, I had to get lost to be found and I had to heal my own self. And once I did that, I was able to help animals do that and then the animals help children do that. Understanding that these animals are beings with feelings and emotions as well and they deserve respect, that entire process for some people is new. Like they've they've never really looked at animals that way. Like you mentioned, you know, you grew up with sort of uh, adult figures in your life who didn't see that that way. And something that I know as a parent that we try to work on, and I'll say to my son, I mean, he's two, but I'll try to share with him, we do have a dog, like you have to be very gentle, please be gentle with him, you know, pet him nicely. And even inanimate objects, toys, whatever it may be, I'll try to explain like, okay, we place that down nicely. We don't throw it. It's just respect for other beings and possessions and materials and just anything in the world. It's like, it all has energy and how you show up in one way is how you show up in any way. So animals are a great tool for teaching that, especially with like, for example, our dog, he's, he's gentle, but he's not a pushover either. He could give you a little, you know, if you're poking and prodding him, he might give you a little like... A little nippy. Yeah, he's not going to bite you, but he's just like, hey, leave me alone, you know? And I'll watch our son kind of test the limits with him. And I want our dog to let him know, like, hey, that's not okay. And I'll say, you know, he's telling you that's that's not okay. And I think it's just a great learning experience, regardless of your age, to begin to think about how you interact with the world and the energy that you're putting out and then what comes back to you. Yes, and you just made my heart so happy that you're doing that with your son because I think there's all too many times kids are allowed to just do whatever they want. You know, like maybe parents say, oh, I'm not going to tell him to not step on his toys. Maybe he's just, you know, playing or I'm not going to tell him to do, um, to be gentle because he's just a baby. But the fact that you see him as an intelligent being and you're starting to teach him ethics and awareness that it's not just about him. Like others have feelings and things need to be handled gently. He's going to develop such an awareness of the outside world in relationship to him. And he's going to grow up to be a gentle man. And it's, it's, we need more of that. Um, And, you know, if you look at the animal kingdom, because, you know, doing this rescue work, obviously we're allowing baby, we're around baby animals a lot because uh, we rescue pregnant animals that give birth here, or we rescue mommy animals that have tiny babies and we watch them grow up. And so we've seen baby horses and baby cows and baby pigs and little chickens. And if you look at the entire animal kingdom, they're very much like us. There's a time in their evolution in the baby's evolution development where they're just little and innocent and open and the parents just let them jump all over the place and run and crash into things and they just let them explore the world 
And then when they're a little older, and it's typically like with horses and cows and humans, it's typically around two years old, but maybe with pigs a little earlier, where there's a time where they got to explore, they got to be nurtured, they got to be bonded and nurse and explore at their own pace. But then there becomes a time of saying, no, 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 you, you can't jump on it. You can't jump anymore. That hurts. Or no, 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 you can't do that. That's disrespectful. Or no, you have to be gentle with that. And horses teach their colts and fillies that same lesson. Cows teach their calves that. Even chick, chickens teach their little chicks that. Like I've watched it time and time again where the parents of these little animals at a certain age will be like, no, you may not do that. You're not going to shove your brother or sister. You're not going to demand from me. You're going to be humble. And they teach them manners and they teach them awareness and they teach them ethics. And, and we have to do it too. So many of us wouldn't think that. We just wouldn't even think that animals are putting that in place. But of course they are because that's how they survive. That's how they continue mm-hmm. to survive. Oh my God. Animals are such phenomenal parents phenomenal parents. It's such a beautiful thing to watch them raise their babies. This is such a lovely story. We had a cow named Lucy. Did you know Lucy? Did you guys know Lucy? Was she brown with sort of white on top of her face? Yes. Okay. Yes. She's a little, little miniature cow that was red with a white face. Okay. Yes. Beautiful pink nose, teddy bear ears, long white eyelashes. She was absolutely dreamy. We rescued an orphan calf. He was eight weeks old. He was sad. He was sick. He was scared. We put him through the 30-day quarantine, having me and the volunteers um, be with him all day and all night, so he was never alone for 30 days. And then when his quarantine was over, we asked Lucy, who was very nurturing and maternal, if she would befriend him. So she was delighted to do that, and she went and became his friend. Well, she loved him so much that she not only ate by his side, gave him a bath before bed each night, protected him, but she produced milk for him. Wow. She didn't have milk before. She was just a regular, you know. And she, her body produced milk for him because she loved him so much and she adopted him so completely. Wow, that intel- the intelligence of the body. And so she, when he was little, she licked him and she played with him and she let him run around and he could do whatever he wanted. He could jump on top of her. He could nibble on her. Like she just loved him so much. When he reached about, I want to say like between 12 and 18 months, all of a sudden it was like, now Ferdinand, you cannot jump on me anymore. It hurts my back. You're a big boy now and it's not polite. And then, you know, he would tip over his food bowl and before it was fine. And now it's like, Ferdinand, don't do that because then I can't eat. And she literally started teaching him ethics and manners. And she was a really, really good mom. What a cool story. That's sweet. But she would give him a bath every night before bed, even when he was a big boy. <laughs> if you're a mom, you're still a mom, you know, right? you can't take that away. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know you're in college, but get over here for your bath. Right. right. I'm still going to hug you and kiss you and squeeze you and embarrass you yeah. and yeah. Claim you as mine. Yeah. Forever. That's right. So with the climate that we're in now where we need to social distance and take into account the safety of others and also animals as well. 
I saw that you began to offer online classes as well that are open to the public. Yeah, so we were we were hosting two groups a day. We were open to five to seven hundred people every Sunday. We would do private tours on Saturdays, and all of a sudden, it all came to a screeching halt with COVID nineteen. And we were like, "Oh my God, now what do we do?" And we said, "Well, you roll with the punches. So what can we do virtually?" And so we put together live feeds on Facebook and Instagram every single day, so people could have the bliss of the barnyard. We put together a virtual cooking show once a week and we launched My Gentle Class. And we do virtual field trips um, and, and private tours, right? So we do everything virtually. And then we launched My Gentle Classroom, which we've never done before, but it has been such fun. Um, they're all science-based and they meet the science standards. And we had two different classes. Um, it's a 10-week course with one one day a week is for uh, elementary school kids, and then one day a week is for uh, sixth grade and up. And we had one class that talks about birth and development because, you know, it's so much fun. Some of us develop in an egg, and some of us develop in a womb, and some of us nurse after we're born, and some of us are born completely 100% developed and find our own food at hours old. Some of us are born blind and only can see and hear after two weeks. Some of us are born fully developed and can run after like 30 minutes. And some of us can't even walk until we're a year old. So we explored all of that and it was such fun. And then we went out into the barnyard and we showed them like, look, here's our llama. This is what he looked like in the womb. And this is, and he was born fully developed. And look, here's our dog. This is what a dog looks like in the womb. He was born deaf and blind for the first two weeks. And this is our chicken. This is what she looked like in the womb. And she was able to eat immediately after birth. It was so much fun. Then we planted in the garden and talked about how tiny little seeds have all the intelligence that that plant needs to grow, just like the embryo in a womb or an egg. And we talked about different plants and different nutrients and different vitamins and the way that it shoots its roots out and uh, photosynthesis. Then we talked about cows and we talked about their anatomy, their social and familiar structure, uh, which animals are a patriarchal society, which animals are a matriarchal society, how they raise their young, how they celebrate birth and mourn death, what they eat, how they sleep, how they play, what, what do they drink, how do they drink. Um, we discovered all of that for cows one week, horses for another, uh, birds for another, pigs for another, goats and sheep and llamas for another. It was so much fun. And at the very end of the class, we went back to the garden we planted in the beginning, harvested everything, brought it into the kitchen, and we made a vegan meal together. Full circle. It was so fun. That's awesome. So yeah. are those classes something that you think you'll continue to offer even after? Yes, absolutely. So we're editing all those videos, and we're going to compile it into a 10-week course that people can then buy all over the world. And simultaneous to that, we're launching um, a, a virtual summer camp. Oh, very cool. Yeah, tell oh, us about that. Very, very soon in July and August. And we're going to do uh, baths for the horses and swimming with the pigs and all kinds of summer related stuff. What a cool idea. Awesome. Yeah, because yeah. then anyone can see the behind the scenes. And what I love about that too is the virtual component lets you expand outside of the three markets where you already have a physical presence, but then you can just tap into 
anyone that could have this knowledge and benefit from seeing the process. Yes, and we're followed by a lot of teachers and homeschool parents, and so they can take these classes and uh, show it to their students and show it to their children. Awesome. What a genius idea, because I'm sure there's a lot of parents now that are rethinking traditional schooling structure and considering homeschooling as well for their kids. So what a cool and informative educational experience, not only for the children, but for the parents, like as a parent, I would be like, yeah, Yeah, like (laughs) I kind of want to go ahead and sign up now if that's all right. (laughs) It was really fun. Yeah. So we're going to do the summer camp for the summer. And then if things aren't reopened in September or, or even if they are, I don't know, then we'll continue with our gentle classroom. Very cool. Yeah. Amazing. So if someone is not in LA or they're not in Nashville or St. Louis, and let's say that maybe they're an adult and they're interested in figuring out ways that they can participate. Uh, I know that you mentioned volunteer opportunities at the locations, but what are other ways that someone could participate or donate or help the cause? Yeah. Help the cause along, help the movement. Well, there's a lot of really, really good ways. Um, First of all, they can follow us on social media. They can follow The Gentle Barn on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. They can participate in our live feeds and feel like they're here with us. Um, They can donate for hay either like, you know, whenever they want to, or they can become a monthly hay sponsor. And they can send a certain amount of hay to us every month. And in exchange, they get regularly, they get regular emails every month Um, with really cute pictures of the animals eating the hay and enjoying it. And we, you know, write them and talk about how it really helped and maybe like one cute story or an overall story of how like we're in the dead of winter and we can't eat without you, you know, stuff like that. Um, And I think the most exciting way of supporting the Gentle Barn is to sponsor an animal like you guys sponsor Braveheart. Um, You can go to gentlebarn.org. And you can look through all of our animals, see their cute faces, read their names, read their stories, and you can pick the one that calls out to you. All the animals have, um, and for a nominal donation each month, you can sponsor your favorite animal. And the money goes towards their care, but then you get a behind-the-scenes, regularly emailed update of how they're doing, a cute little story about what they overcame or a cute thing that they did or a new friendship that blossomed or, you know, how their health is doing with a new picture each month. So, you know, someone out there that always wanted a cow but lives in an apartment, now you can have a cow. Someone that's always wanted a horse but lives in the city, now you can have a horse. Uh, You can have a llama, a pig, a chicken, Um, you can have whatever farm animal you want and you can sponsor them and just be part of our gentle barn family. And it's really rewarding. And then make the trip up to Santa Clarita to come and see the animal firsthand and make sure that all the stories are all matching up and make sure that they're (laughs) properly fed. And it's amazing. Yeah. So just to give the audience a little backstory, the very first time that Jason and I went to the gentle barn, it was our first experience and we were so excited and we met a goat named Braveheart and Braveheart was just a baby at the time. So I don't even know how long ago that was, like six years ago, maybe seven years ago. He was a baby. Yeah. Oh, you've been sponsoring for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on how I, I don't even, I think maybe seven years, maybe. Okay. Yeah. So we met Braveheart. He was just a tiny baby and I fell in love and I thought, what else could I do to support this cause? Because I thought the cause was really cool and went online and like you said for a nominal denomination each month I sponsor him 
And what I love about the sponsorship also, like you mentioned, you you do get the email updates, but I also one year gave the gift of sponsoring an animal to my family as a gift. So I did, as like a Christmas gift, I was like, listen, instead of buying everyone some random thing for $20. Furby or something. Yeah, yeah like some back scratcher <laughs> that you're going to get rid of, you know, whatever. I was like, how cool would it be if I sponsored an animal for them and then had that opportunity to make a difference in an animal's life and gave a gift to my family that was unique. So I thought that was like... They loved it. Yeah, it was a pretty cool way to incorporate it Mm -hmm. also. That's so lovely. And in your case, I mean, you've really watched Braveheart grow up. Oh, yes. Yes. And now he's like a big... I mean, he's a big dude now. Yeah. There's something so magical, you know, we get visited by people all over the world that have been sponsoring animals for years and they save up their money and they're finally able to come meet that animal for the first time. And they cry and we cry and we all take pictures and it's like meeting like long lost family. It is the, it's the most wonderful thing. It does feel really good. It's something that is a small act that you can give, but has a very large impact on an animal's life. And knowing the behind the scenes of the cause, there's so many nonprofits out there where you don't necessarily get to see the behind the scenes or you don't understand the story fully. But when you can see what your donation does in action and you see it taking place and you see animals thriving that would otherwise not be here, it feels good. You're aligned and you're like, okay, like I want to do this. I Mm -hmm. want to help. And it, it feels great. It's a beautiful cause. Yeah. Thank you so much. So we want to give you the opportunity to leave our audience with a key takeaway and it can be anything that you want to share. Yes, I do have a takeaway that I'd like to offer. And that is that especially in these crazy and uncertain times with COVID-19 and riots and protests and injustice and civil unrest, I would like to extend out to everyone that we desperately, desperately need a more gentle world for all of us. We need more love and more compassion and more inclusiveness and more kindness, not just to people, but to animals, not just to animals and people, but to the planet itself. We need to become more responsible stewards to our beautiful, beautiful planet and every living creature in it. And this idea, and who knows where this originated. It's been going on for hundreds of years, but this idea that we are this supreme ruler of the planet and everyone in it, and we can do with them what we wish and the abuse and the neglect and the egregious behavior that we're inflicting on our forests and our oceans and the creatures, it it just has to stop. And not just for the planet's sake and not just for the animal's sake, but for our own sake. If we keep Go away like this, we will go extinct and the planet will continue without us. We have a beautiful home here. And the only way we're gonna be able to enjoy this home for decades of generations to, to come is if we take better care of it. And that starts with our children. It starts with the future generations. We absolutely must get in front of our children and teach them ethics and gentleness teach them respect and kindness, teach them empathy, teach them to preserve our planet and the creatures, to be kind to the forests and the oceans, to eat gently, to act gently, and to become voices for the innocent. And when we do that within one generation, we will have 
peace on earth. We will have nirvana here. It is here waiting for us. All the gentle foods have already been created. All the environmentally friendly processes have already been invented. Everything is here waiting for us. We just need a humanity that is ready once and for all to stand up for it and to embrace it. And so I implore all the parents that are listening to, to instill gentleness in your children. Instead of picking flowers, which teaches our children to destroy nature, sit down with them and smell that flower and watch it grow with your child. Instead of chasing birds at the park, sit down with your child and watch those birds and speak to them energetically. Instead of cutting down trees, teach them to respect man-made materials. Teach them to enjoy the fruits and vegetables, which are the gifts of Mother Earth for us to enjoy. Teach them to stand up to bullying and to stand up for injustice and to speak the truth. And if you see something, say something. Be the witness for the innocents. Be the heroes for the defenseless. And be the heroes for this planet. And if we can all do that and instill our children to be better than we were, then, oh, my God, what a beautiful world we can have and enjoy. Thank you, Ellie. Do you want to run for a president? Because I think there's an opening. Votes. Yeah. <laughs> you got two. One, two, right here. Uh, yeah. Where can we cast our official We're actually nominee? just going to write you in so you don't really have a choice. Right. So. <laughs> Even just a small piece of that, that really, like, resonated the picking the flower yes yeah. we mm-hmm. we do that with our son where anytime we're walking past someone's home and they have beautiful flowers outside their home we've taught him to stop and smell i'll be like look for bees look for spiders like you know mm-hmm. just make sure it's okay but but smell smell those flowers and even if the flower doesn't have a smell <laughs> He walks up to it and takes a big whiff, and he's like, mmm, yeah. every time. <laughs> Even like grass now, too. I'll just go up to it. And we're like, bro, we know that it's there's no mmm there, but it's amazing. <laughs> but, but it's in those small gestures that it really yeah. does make a difference. Mm-hmm. And we explain, like, this is for everyone to enjoy. Mm-hmm. We want it to be beautiful for everyone. Let's enjoy it and mm-hmm. give him that opportunity. And he, you know, he takes full advantages with his big sniffs and... It's really delightful to see him like that. You've given me so much hope to know that he is on this planet, that I've got backup, (laughs) that he is being molded. And we come gentle. The, the, The abuse and the bullying and the, oh, we can do whatever we want, that's learned. Right? And it starts with picking a flower. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, that flower. Like, we can either teach our children. Oh, everything exists for our own pleasure. So we could just yank a flower right out of the ground and watch it die. Or we can teach our children like, no, no, that's a living thing. And you starting your son from the very beginning to have those qualities, I feel hopeful, so hopeful. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And as a parent, that feels very good. So thank you back. (laughs) What is a resource that you would like to leave the audience with? could be book ted talk podcast anything that like that's mine or just out there in the world could be yours could be something any in the sort world of inspiration that, maybe that you've had that yeah. has helped channel you into what's going on at the gentle barn yeah. anything that you've loved throughout your life that is dictating you know part of your cause um well i gotta be honest and say that 
99.9% of my inspiration came from my animals. Uh, they're my greatest teachers and they make me a better human being every single day. But I will tell you that the thing that I study the most, and this might sound strange, but the thing that I study the most is the civil rights um, movement, Martin Luther King. Um, he kind of embodies everything that I want to stand for in his strength and perseverance, but gentleness. He was so gentle and honoring and not wanting to hurt others, but wanting to stand up for the injustice of his time. And um, I really, really study that as a movement so that I can bring that into my work as the movement for animals. Um, and I love Jane Goodall. And I did do a TED talk about one of our cows who um, she gave birth unexpectedly and what follows was one of the richest things I've ever seen. She, she gives birth and we had 20 cows at the time and all 20 cows encircled her and watched her birth and introduced themselves to the baby once he was born and participated in his upbringing. And it is the most beautiful depiction of how animals celebrate birth and how they they live in family groups and how they love each other just like us. And so you guys can check that out. It's uh, just Ellie Lax at, on TED Talk. That's awesome. Yeah, we will link that in the show yeah, notes for that's everyone. That's really cool. Too. Oh my gosh. Oh, and while we're on the topic, I mean, I guess I'll throw this out too. I don't know if you've seen this or anyone else, but um, on Netflix... Cowspiracy and What the Health are like amazing movies, life-changing, mind-altering movies for anyone that's um, looking for good explanations of our world. Excellent. Great. Yes, yes. Uh, even if the audience hasn't seen those, they've probably heard of them. And it's just one more reason why they should give those documentaries a watch. Yeah, those, they're easy to watch and they're really informative. Cool. And you did mention social, but where can everyone find out more about The Gentle Barn and your cause? Um, thank you. Yeah, if everyone goes to gentlebarn.org and right there, you can link right it, right through to our social media. You can see about the animals and the children and how to visit and how to donate and, uh, and how to sponsor an animal. It's all right there, gentlebarn.org. And you're on Instagram and Facebook as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And Twitter and on YouTube as well. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's time to get on TikTok too, because that's where the new generation's getting. So <laughs> you know what? We just started TikTok, but I'm not doing it. It uh. is not in my DNA. I don't understand it. <laughs> we we got some younger people doing it. Yeah, some of the volunteers, <laughs> some of the younger volunteers can help yeah. you out with that for sure. Because <laughs> that's the ne that's the next set of the youth coming up. So. All right. Well, I'm gonna find cool. you on there, and I'm gonna follow you guys, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we'll definitely link it in the show notes for everyone as well. Awesome. Thank you. So, yeah. Ellie, thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad that we were able to have this conversation, and you were able to impart all of your knowledge, you know, with us just for the short period of time. You offer this incredible service to our world, not just animals, but people too. And the message that you shared, that key takeaway is so pointed, not just for now, but I mean, for generations to come and we support you, we stand with you and thank you for all that you do. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for helping us to elevate the vibe. Thank you. Okay, bye. 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 
Hey there, Vibe Hive babes. If this podcast has brought you any value, please rate and review on your favorite listening platform. And if you're feeling really generous, share with a friend. Visit us at elevatethevibe.co for show notes on this episode and previous episodes. This podcast is intended to educate, entertain, and inspire. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions you may have. And as always, thank you for joining us to Elevate the Vibe.